Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Texans postgame podcast. It's a happy postgame, guys, and there's only eight teams left as of next week in the NFL that can win a Super Bowl, and your Houston Texans are one of those eight teams. They beat the Raiders 27-14. to 14. Big things for this show. First of all, we're going to hear in the locker room from a couple of people. We're going to listen to Bill O'Brien's press conference. And then right after that, you'll hear my one-on-one with DJ Reader, the fifth-round rookie who's making waves and picked up a sack in a playoff game. How about that? Then after that, we're going to go to me and my co-host from Houston Sports Talk, RG Seal. We're going to talk a little bit about the game and what happened. And then at the end of the show, we're going to get a little bit more of the post game from Brock Osweiler. You'll hear a little bit of some of the best stuff from what he had to say at the post game press conference. So first of all, let's hear from Bill O'Brien in the post game press conference. Bill, are you able to talk about just your guys' performance today, coming out starting fast, which yeah. has been a problem, and then being able to, to, to play four quarters of football, complimenting right. football, and finish this game? You know, I thought overall it's probably our best game, Brian, of the year. You know, I thought that there were times that, you know, weren't great, obviously, but that happens in every NFL game. I thought overall it was our most consistent game. I thought there were examples of complimentary football. I thought we were able to flip the field position at times, um, which helped us, you know, pin them deep, make them drive it, and uh, – Give our players a lot of credit. They they executed the game plan well. And in terms of Osweiler, especially in that first half, I mean, he didn't turn the ball over the entire game. He was able to keep the, get the offense going, got the tight ends involved. What did you see from him today? I thought he had a good game, Brian. He took care of the ball. He executed the game plan. Basically, he spread the ball around. Uh, I'm not sure how many different receivers caught passes, but it looked pretty good to me. I thought the offensive line had a nice game for the most part. We had a couple breakdowns, but I thought they played uh, better than they had been playing. I thought Lamar. I think we rushed for over maybe 120 yards, which is good. I think anytime we do that, we've, we have a chance to win in addition to taking care of the ball. So I thought that uh, everybody uh, on offense uh, did a nice job today. Your defense has been playing well all season, but what did you think about that interception that Clowney had? Yeah, that was a great play. I mean, you know, he's um, he's had a good year for us. Uh, he's an active player. We line him up in different spots. One thing about uh, J.D. is he, he – he goes to the ball, if that makes sense. He makes plays on the football. Even when he's getting after the quarterback or tackling a running back, you know, there's a chance that he could get the ball out. He's got that knack, and that was a very nice play by him. Osweiler obviously played really well today. I know it's really early in the week. Obviously, you have a lot of time to get ready for the next game, but do you plan on him starting next week? Yes. Can you speak about the intensity of the game? It seems especially there at the beginning of the first quarter, the atmosphere was explosive. Here in this, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think uh, – Having a home playoff game for us is huge. You know, I think that it uh, obviously made up for last year a little bit. You know, the, the fans here are unbelievable. We have, we, we have the best fans in the NFL. It's loud. They stand the whole game. Uh, they're into it the whole game. They, they 
Uh, they're just uh, they create a very uh, electric atmosphere, and I think our players really feed off of that. It was it was really you could tell it was a fun environment for our players to play in. Bill, is this what you had envisioned this team looking like earlier in the season? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was our best game. I really did. I thought, um, you know, I think the trick is can we do it again? But I think uh, we've improved. It's a, it's a progress league. You know, it's a league about improvement. Uh, trying to ba- play your best football in January. Look, I, I know that it wasn't like a perfect game, but I think that all three phases really contributed to the win, and we played good complementary football. We uh, we were able to uh, win the field position battle. We won the time of possession battle. We kind of did what we need to do to win the game, so it was good. Good in that regard. Bill, you've been in for three years, and you know you guys have been building and building towards something. How does it feel for you to get this first playoff victory and to do it at home with this team in, in an all-around type of game? Yeah, it feels good. I'm just looking forward to the next game now. I'm thinking about the next game, thinking about the schedule for next week and you know how we have to approach it depending on when we're playing. sounds like maybe it'll be sad. I don't know when we're playing, but uh, we'll bring the guys back in here on Tuesday, and we'll get going. I'll figure out by the end of the weekend who we're playing and uh, – uh, where the game will be and things like that. So we're excited about it. I'm not really thinking about myself, Brian. I'm really proud of these players. I've always been uh, proud to be a, the, the head coach of this team and uh, with these players. They play so hard, uh, and they, you know, they, um, you know, we work them hard here. You know, and I think it's a, a great reward for them to to get a playoff victory. Bill, you mentioned how much you like coaching this team and being on these guys. Uh, they talk a lot about how much they like playing for you, but. Coming into this game, I don't know if you see it at all, but I mean, there are still a lot of reports about your future with the Texans and on and on. Do you, do you want to address that or say anything about that, or is it out of your hands and there's there's no story at all? Yeah, no, I have a five-year contract here. I have two years left on my contract. Uh, I'm looking forward to coaching here, and I'm looking forward to getting ready for this next game. You know, I think it's a great uh, win today for our team, and I'm just really proud of our players. And, and I think our players, like I said earlier, they work very hard to, to get to this point. They, they dealt with the ups and downs. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they're where they are right now. At the end of this weekend, there will only be eight teams left. And I think that's a good accomplishment uh, for this team right now. But there's more to be done. There's more to play. And uh, you know, I know these guys will come in ready to work this week, and I'm excited for that. Hey, I'm inside the locker room with uh, DJ Reader. And, boy, what a huge game for you. Uh, get a sack in a playoff game. How does it feel to come out there and get a sack in a, in a, in a playoff game, your first playoff game? Oh, man, it means a lot. You know, it was good to go out there and be able to help my teammates out with that sack on first down. It was just fun, man. It was fun out there playing, you know, just playing football, having fun. What about this defense today? <laughs> uh, just an amazing performance from you guys. Uh, um, how did you feel like you guys were playing out there? Did you, did you, was there a little extra focus and uh, just uh, real uh, excitement for you guys playing in front of the home crowd in a playoff game? Yeah, man, I feel like we wrote our story during the season and we got to continue writing it. You know, we can't mess up pages of our story. So, you know, every, every week we want to come out here and flip the page, and that's what we've been doing. You know, this week, just another page in that book. You know, hopefully we can keep moving. What did the guys tell you before the game? I mean, you got a bunch of veterans on this team. Mm-hmm. Did, did they say anything to you mm-hmm. to, to kind of get you focused before you started this one? Uh, just tell me it's going to be a little bit faster than it is in the regular season. It's going to be a little bit different. You know, and that's what it was. It was different. It was faster. So they got me prepared. And, you know, just, just play off football. It's just about going out there and playing every play. And, they did a good job of that. Incredible games by Merciless and Clowney. Did yeah. these guys turn it up to even another level than you've seen them play all year? Oh, yeah. I mean, they came out there and they just kept playing every play hard. And I see those guys do that every day. Just sometimes the plays come to you, sometimes they don't. Today they were rocking. They were on all cylinders. They know what playoff football means. And 
They did a good job. Can you feel the attention that they're bringing over the, your direct, their direction and helping you out, maybe take some attention away from you when you're trying to get to the quarterback? Man, on the run, they don't help me out with nothing. They, they get the one-on-ones, I get a double team. But, you know, in the past, they helped me out to get chippers, so I end up getting a one-on-one. You know, I, I'm blessed for that. I, we compliment each other. I'm glad to have those guys on my team. What did it feel like to play in front of all these people and, and the crowd? They're waving the towels and the atmosphere and that, that sort of thing. Uh, it was nice. You know, it was fun. It was real fun. It was, it was really good for us to get out there. Had a home crowd behind us going crazy. It was an amazing game. Is there a better week for you than this? Uh, you got your, your Clemson Tigers are uh, playing for a national championship yeah. game, and, and you're playing in the playoffs. Oh, no, no better week. It's the best week of my life right now. So hopefully they go get it done on Monday. We got it done today. Hopefully they can get it done Monday. Hey, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations on the playoff win. Thank you. Now I'm bringing in my co-host over at the Houston Sports Talk podcast, R.G. Seal. He's a regular with us on every post-game show. Good to have you, R.G. And we just talked to D.J. Reader, and what a week it is for the Clemson guys. DeAndre Hopkins with a huge game. D.J. Reader, of course, with the sack. And then they're playing for a national championship on Monday. So these guys are pretty pumped up. R.G., first of all, got to talk about the main thing from this game. When the lights are the brightest, you want your best players to play their best. And just incredible game by the best players from the Texans RG. The guys with the most talent on the team, DeAndre Hopkins, Jadevian Clowney, and Whitney Merciless. Those guys came up when you need them the most. And also, a little guy named Brock Osweiler, your quarterback, shows up, RG. When you were saying lights are the brightest, I was also thinking back to that Raiders game in Mexico City when the, the green laser light was shining on Brock Osweiler. And, of course, that kind of affected a performance that night. But not today, not during the game against the Raiders in the playoffs. And, yeah, like you said, stars were shining the brightest. Stars were aligned. Everything uh, pretty much went well for the Texans. I mean, a lot of people were coming into the game with a lot of apprehension. Could this third-string quarterback, Connor Cook, making his first start going against the Houston Texans because of all of Brock Osweiler's problems? Would the Texans be able to get a home victory? Had been 7-1 and one throughout the season, played really well with the defense at home, that ranked number one defense d- during the NFL season. Could the defense keep their end of the bargain, and could Brock Osweiler play well enough? I mean, just not throw a bunch of interceptions where the Texans would have a chance to win. And, of course, a lot of the buzz before was, hey, the Raiders are going to come in and and spring the upset. Uh, But not having Derek Carr, much different team, you know, Connor Cook, they only had two conversions on third down. He threw three interceptions. Conversely, like you said, Judevin Clowney with that play, that interception when the Texans were already up three to nothing, when he gets that one, runs it down within the five-yard line there, the Texans were able to kind of like use the momentum from that. Once it was 10 to nothing, you had a good feeling about the game the, and the way the direction it was going. And then, to, you know, before closing out the half, like you said, with Brock Osweiler making that big throw to another Clemson guy, uh, that was, uh, you, you have the interview with DJ Reader, but talking about New Hopkins, that was a, a great throw. That was the Brock Osweiler that everybody has been saying, okay, you know, is there ever going to be a time this season where, you know, you, you know Brock Osweiler looks like, you know, a, a quarterback that, you know, is maybe worth the money. And for one game at least in the playoffs here, 
He didn't embarrass himself, 14 of 25, 168 yards. And, I mean, he's not still worth that contract, of course. That's silly to even kind of mention that. But he played well enough. You have to give him credit. Didn't turn the ball over. Didn't throw the interception there. Outplayed his competitor on the other side uh, at quarterback who was making, his again, his first start. And so you have to just say, you know, great all-around effort for the Texans. And probably what's up next is the Patriots, but that's another day. Yeah, I'm going to get back to Jadavian, but I, I want to talk a little bit about Osweiler's day, RG, because, boy, he's taken a lot of abuse. But we saw last year Brian Hoyer, he actually played a lot better in the regular season than than Brock Osweiler. You know, he looked great compared to Osweiler as far as regular season quarterbacks go. But last year in the playoffs, we saw it. Same place, you know, at NRG Stadium, wild card game. And I get it. The Chiefs are a better team. They had their quarterback. And you could say all of that. But defensively, you know, the Raiders have Khalil Mack. They've got a couple players that can make some plays out there. But Brock Osweiler took care of the ball. Zero interceptions. Meanwhile, Connor Cook had three interceptions. Brock Osweiler, when they took the reins off of him, and this is the big thing for me, RG, it seemed like there were times where, you know, Bill O'Brien was playing scared. We've seen him do it all year long. It was possession after possession that they were running the ball on first down, straight into the line, didn't get go anywhere, didn't get anything. But when they let him throw... You know, they started doing a little bit of the hurry up, and it seems like that's worked all year long. We've said it ad infinitum over and over and over again. He played well. I mean, you can't deny that. He was accurate. He was making throws. He was doing things. There wasn't a whole lot of passes where you went, oh, there's the old Brock Osweiler. There he is. You know, early in the game, he had that little short throw to Lamar Miller, and I thought, you know, that five-yard throw, and it was like, oh, no, they're, you know, same guy. But then, boom, boom, those two throws to Ryan Griffin, and then all of a sudden, he was a different guy from there on out. Yeah, and he was it enabled him to get into a rhythm early in the game, and that's always important. You know, for any quarterback, you want to get into that rhythm. You want to be able to start making completions. And then, you know, for Brock Osweiler especially, he's had problems in the past this season, like you said, uh, accuracy with his throws and then also you know, early in games, just have, really having problems getting established with that rhythm. And, and then he gets the pressure inside the pocket and all of a sudden is flustered. And, and then the Texans seem to abandon it and he might maybe throws it into coverage. But today we saw some things from Brock Osweiler that we hadn't seen before, at least at, at, during the regular season for a good amount of time. And that was you know, hey, if there was going to be a, a chance for him to, you know, make a mistake, he threw the ball out of bounds or, uh, you know, he, he scrambled more, took it to the ground more. He, he ran the ball more. And of course, on that one score for the t touchdown, he ran into the end zone. But you just saw some different things from Osweiler, maybe sitting on. We say everybody was laughing. Well, he got benched. And oh, what kind of quarterback is he really going to be since he's come back? Well, he's played his best football because remember in that Tennessee game, oh, it was against the Tennessee Titans and it really was kind of meaningless. He he played better last week coming off the bench, coming into that game. And then again this week, uh, mentioned it, it like you said, he seemed to be a different quarterback. He's not the same quarterback that he was when he deserved the benching, when he was absolutely abysmal, awful against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first half. And maybe it's just sitting on you know the sideline for a game or two where you're with the backups, where you have to just assimilate all of this and just take a step back. You're no longer the guy. 
for whatever reason, it's maybe re-energize him a little. You know, he's going to go up against the, probably, again, the New England Patriots. That's going to be a whole different test than the Oakland Raiders defense. But at least, you know, right now, from what we've seen since the, the second half of the Tennessee game and then this playoff game against the Raiders, it seemed to be a, at least a little bit of a different Brock Osweiler. You can't keep saying the same stuff that you were saying about him before, you know, he was benched. And so it might all come back again next week. Again, he has a, a putrid performance like we saw most of the season. But you have to give him credit for the way that he played against uh, the Raiders and, and leading the team to victory. That's all that really counts. What did you do? Scoreboard, W. Well, and 10 of the Raiders' first 11 drives on the other side of the line of scrimmage besides Brock, the Texans' defense gave up three total first downs in 10 of those 11 drives. It's just unbelievable. They were fantastic. And RG, it, it started today or on Saturday with Jadavian Clowney. And did that play at all remind you of J.J. Watt? I yeah. mean, that was that was flat out J.J. Watt first playoff game against the Bengals. The only thing he exactly. couldn't do was score a touchdown. And he was talking in the postgame press conference, RG, about trying to kicked the guy and he was doing everything he could just to get loose there. <laughs> you know, that's what, the, that's the one thing though. It's like, yeah, what you were looking at that, it'd be able to do that with Jadim and Clanny. It all brought back memories and JJ Watt in the sideline smiling and high-fiving him afterwards. I, I mean, that totally was the image there, but it just makes you think, gosh, you wish that JJ Watt was healthy. Cause just what would opposing coaches be thinking about if they had to go up against both Clowney and J.J. Watt on the defensive line. And then you have guys like Whitney Merciless and, and you know, who are still very effective, too, as pass rusher. You know, it, it just it's kind of you really over are salivating at that prospect of seeing J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney on this uh, on the same team next year and, and the defense. And hopefully both of them can be healthy because they really haven't been healthy, be able to take the same the field at the same time. But you just saw that, I mean, really, right now, you have to game plan against Jadavion uh, uh, Clowney just like you have to against J.J. Watt. And it was just really exciting to see that first place. When he came into the game, remember Jadavion Clowney was uh, kind of saying, oh, I want to blitz the whole game. Come on, let me blitz. It's Connor Cook. He's making his first start. Well, I mean, maybe he was in his head because, you know, that very first, yeah, I mean, here he goes and gets the interception. And really kind of that sets it up because the Texans, they were already up three to nothing, but you know, having them pinned back deep in Ra Raiders in their own territory, and then be able to get that kind of interception, set set up shop, and then get a touchdown. How many times the Texans have struggled getting touchdowns? It just seemed it, to me that was just a big onus. It was a, a it was a big albatross that was kind of lifted right there because a the Texans actually scored a touchdown in in the first quarter. <laughs> it, they were up ten to nothing, and you just kind of felt like. You know they can really win this game now. They they've already they've already got the the opposing quarterback kind of on the ropes, thinking about the pass rush from Jadavion Clowney, about this defense. The Texans, you know, already have the lead, and so from that point on, it's just kind of like, and I think that that kind of factored into again what Bill O'Brien was trying to do, especially in the second half. There were you know the typical a lot of running and milking the clock and punting the ball, an ineffective offense, but you know. Again, that was pretty much, you know, when the Texans had their 27 to 7 lead, we pretty much were already looking to, ahead to the next game. Uh, you know, uh, you, you can never really kind of like say, OK, uh, this game's over. And, and, and with, the, you know, knowing Houston yeah. sports history, 
But at yeah. least that was kind of you felt that way that it was going. And that kind of all started, at least for me. Maybe I don't know if you feel the same way with kind of the, that Jadavian Clowney play right there kind of set the tone. Yeah, better than setting the tone with a kickoff return for a touchdown to open the game like they did last season in the in the in the wild card game and the 27 points by the way that they scored on Saturday was tied for the most points the Texans scored this season. The only other time they scored 27. You got to go back to that Titans game in week 4 and merciless, you know, boy, just quiet. It seems like it's almost quietly cuz he's in Watch shadow. He's in Clowney's shadow. He's always in somebody's shadow. But Whitney Merciless had three sacks in the Chiefs wild cards game last year. You add that to the two sacks that he had in this game. He's got five sacks in two playoff games. And I mean, that's coming up big when it counts. And I mean, geez, RG, you know, those two guys, uh, you, you had to feel a little sorry, not much because you know, we, we've been Houston fans our whole life. You had to feel a little sorry for the Raiders because it's one thing to have your second string quarterback, but they had their third string quarterback and then they had their left tackle, you know, who's a pro bowler, who's one of the right. best in the NFL. They lose that guy, you know, a couple of days before, you know, it's just that to, to, to go up against Clowney and Merciless without your left tackle. And, and that's where the, DJ reader, that's his sack. That's what he just destroyed. The replacement left tackle. I mean, that was just, it was over with quickly. And Clowney was doing the same thing to that guy. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Raiders here, it's, you know, you kind of have to almost, uh, yeah, we're Houston fans and we've been through this before. And it almost reminds me of that time in 2011. Matt Schaub is not, Derek Carr is a far better quarterback than Matt Schaub, not saying that. But Matt Schaub was having a good season in 2011. It wasn't a pick six Matt Schaub. He was a really good quarterback for that Gary Kubiak offense. And then remember when he goes down and then you're, you're turning to your backup, Matt Leiner, he goes down and then all of a sudden you've got to you know, play TJ Yates. And then you, you finally get, you have this dominant defense that year with, uh, you know, remember that was the, the first year of Wade Phillips and, and JJ Watt and Connor Barwin and, you know, you just had this completely, you know, dominant defense. Brian Cushing was still in his prime before the injuries and you really felt like every single game this defense was going to shut the opponent down they go to Baltimore they lose a close game but you just felt like if Matt Schaub had been healthy that team could have been a Super Bowl team so it's like you know you you feel for the Raiders because you know with at Derek Carr they might go into Denver I know it was Gary Kubiak's last game last week or as, as coach of the Broncos so it was an emotional time but, I mean, it's a whole different offense. It's a whole different – they maybe have the bye. They maybe have the second seat. Instead, it, it, all of a sudden, they lose that to the Kansas City Chiefs. It changes the playoff fortunes even of the Texans because now they're playing the Raiders with Connor Cook at quarterback. And, again, we're not going to feel sorry for anybody because of the fact that, you know, in recent years, I mean, look what the Texans have trotted out for playoffs. It's, you know, T.J. Yates and, and, and also uh, – here last season when they had to bring Brian Hoyer and the four interceptions. And even though he was a starter, he had been benched and stuff, but you have to like looking at the Raiders. I mean, it just, it's just not the same team. And there's a steep drop off from Derek Carr yet to Matt McGloin and then Matt McGloin, even to Connor Cook making his first start as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, we're a Texan show, but most of you guys out there are Houston sports fans. So you 
remember when they lost Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady right. and Dikembe Mutombo and all one season in the playoff. Or even like the Astros, J.R. Richard, right? Something like that. You know, it's just, you know, that was changed the fortunes in 1980 or, you know, yeah, you can go back throughout history and, and look at that as a Houston sports fan. I don't know if you caught the note on this RG, but, uh, uh, during the broadcast, J.J. Watt, they said, was medically cleared to play by the doctors, I guess, pretty recently. And he's they're showing video this week of him, you know, running sprints. By the way, he he didn't look real good to me. That, that, that didn't look like J.J. Watt in his prime. Of but course, isn't he ineligible if you I mean, I, I thought that because they took it off under reserve, right, right, he cannot right. come back this season. Right, right, okay. right. Well, that's what I'm I'm going into because. You know, of course, you know, I, I understand why they don't want to take a chance with Watt because it's three months since the surgery. And that's, you know, that's about how long it took him to get hurt, you know, from that point during the last surgery. But R.G. Watt can't come back off the injured reserve, as you said. What's the big irony, I guess I should say, from what we saw in Saturday's game, R.G.? Do you know why he can't come off the injured reserve at this point? Well, because they activated another player off of injured reserve. Yeah, that guy that they activated off of injured reserve, they used the exception for was Brennan Scarlett, and that's the same Brennan Scarlett who didn't wrap up on the special teams tackle, which led to the only, I would say, non-prevent defense TD the Texans gave up on Saturday. So yeah. that that's kind of funny. Isn't and it? it gets back to the special teams play, which has been a, just a, a terrible thing all season. Oh, for the past, maybe the Texans franchise. How many, how many years have we been talking about the special teams and how atrocious it is? And, and, not only that, I mean, Tyler Irvin with that drop, I mean, that fumble, I would be very lucky to recover that. But, I mean, how many times has that guy this season had a case of, of you know, butterfingers out there? Yeah, not, at, not one it, drop. He had two drops in this one. One of yeah. them, he recovered himself. The other one, thank God, Eddie Pleasant was right. the, the man on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I was thinking of the Eddie, Eddie Pleasant one there, but you're right. He had the other one that he recovered himself. But he just can't be out there returning kicks. And also just a sloppy tackling on special teams and the cover. and it's just been really surprising because Larry Izzo coming in you were thinking okay this guy you know a really fiery rice graduate coming back played Patriots of course you know and you were thinking he'd come in and kind of like really put a his mark on the special teams and it's it's really been unfortunate kind of like what's happened with the the, uh, you know, special teams I mean again it's a litany it's a broken record we say the same thing uh, yes yeah, Special teams, the coverage is bad, or special teams, they're not getting the returns they should be. Have you seen the numbers on on them? Have you seen the the, the overall numbers as compared to the rest of the NFL? I, I know they're at the bottom. Yeah, this this season, Football Outsiders had the Texans. They have them ranked dead last in the NFL in special teams DVOA. That's their big stat to rank. You know all the different categories, and you know RG with Tyler Irvin, you got him for special teams, and it's. He reminds me of Trenton Holiday. I mean, I, I, I guess Texans do not know how to scout these guys because, you know, they, they've had fumble issues and stuff like that. Now, it's not – he's not – he doesn't scare me as much as Trenton Holiday does as far as the fumbles go. It's not quite as bad. Of course, remember, you know, the Patriots game, that was a killer where he fumbled the, the ball on the kickoff. But the thing about – Tyler Irvin is he just doesn't scare me the other way either. He doesn't scare the other team into thinking that he's going to run one back for a touchdown. And I guess that's where I have my problem is I'm more worried about him fumbling than I am, you know, thinking, Oh, he might break one on this one, you know? 
you know, like you said, that one that he had, the, the, there was a running into the kicker, there was a flag there, and that's when it had the big return. But other than that, there's really not been the this season seeing that explosiveness, seeing that, okay, yeah, he might at least every once in a while break a big one off. And it just, it's it's something the Texans are going to need to address in the offseason yet again. But coming up for New England, you know, New England, I, I keep put, going ahead to New England because we're assuming that the Dolphins are going to lose to the Steelers and it'll be the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Texans in New England. But there's also the possibility that Texans could be playing the Chiefs. But either way, you're playing the Chiefs, or you're playing the Patriots, you're going to be playing teams that are well coached. And also that's where you want to be able to at least have an advantage. If you have such a terrible, abysmal offense, you want to at least know, okay, the defense is above average. It's good. You want to know that the special teams is, oh, wait, no, that's, that's as bad as your offense. So that's like two out of the three things that you really, you know, those are the three facets of, of football, you know, offense, defense, special teams. The Texans are bad at two of them. So, you know, there's not going to be any overnight miracle cure, but one of the things that they can do before the next game is not have Tyler Urban returning punts or kicks. Well, I, it's I, you say the special teams. I, I don't know where the DVOA rates everything because – I have a lot of confidence in Shane Leckler. I've got a lot of confidence in Nick Novak right now. I mean, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, yeah, you're right about that. I'm sorry. I mean, Shane Leckler is one of the best punters. I'm talking about on kick return to coverage there, being able to tackle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tackle. And I'm talking about the returns of punts and kicks. But as, as far as field goal, yeah, you're right. It's a whole big deal. You have to consider everything. So Nick Novak's had a good season. And, and Shane Leckler's been exceptional, as always, as a punter in the National Football League. So I'm kind of like leaving that out. I'm just talking about kick kick and punt coverage and how abysmal it has been and the big gains and, and, and returns for opposing teams and yeah, just all the problems that that are there with that, and as as well as the, the punt and kick returns, and like you mentioned, Trenton Hall, I had totally forgotten about that guy. That was a good pull from your memory bank there. You know, I, I wish we had a, uh, I, 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 I wish we had a guy that, you know, could kick the long kicks and, and stuff like that. Because if if you had if you didn't have Nick Novak, you had a guy that could kick one out of the end zone, and you went up to at least wouldn't have to worry about the kickoffs. And and yeah. that that's that's a big thing with Novak and. You know, his leg also had something to do with why the Texans didn't try a 54-yard field goal, you know, that first drive. Because they were, you know, they were in range where most teams might have tried to kick right there. You know, that's points. And instead, they right. had to punt the ball. And, and, you know, I was thinking, boy, it should be nice if you had enough confidence in your kicker. And then he kicks the 50-yarder. And I saw, oh, he barely got it 50 yards. He was right down the middle. Yeah, they know how long it, Nick Novak really, what's his, you know, limit. And you're, you're, you're right about that, too, because, you know, a 54, 55-yard field goal, you could maybe take, if it's Aaron Rodgers that's the opposing quarterback or Tom Brady, you're thinking, okay, you give them a short field and you could, you know, they'll be in, or even Andrew Luck or somebody. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to try a long field goal. You're probably not going to make. But, it, I mean, yeah, if you had a, a kicker with that type of leg, this is the type of team that you wanted to go against because Connor Cook was making his first start. He was back there. So even giving him good field position, if you can get points on the board and keep adding to it, you know, that was that. this would have been a, an opportunity to try that, to try the long field goal. Because even if you miss it, you're not, you know, Again, you're not handing off the reins to somebody, or even if Derek Carr was there, let's say, you know, you're not giving out the okay short field now. They, you know, a couple of completions and they're already in field goal range, or you know, 
potentially the red zone themselves. With Connor Cook, you knew they were going to be they were going to try to get Latavius Murray going, the running game going. They would find their spots to throw the ball, you know, and that's exactly what they tried to do. More conservative game plan. It, it, but yeah, after the the Clowney interception and the, the pressure they was getting, and you know the inability to convert on third downs, being two of sixteen total for the game for the Raiders. Again, it's an outstanding job by the Texans defense. But you could definitely tell this was a guy who was making his first NFL start in the playoffs. One thing that I had to laugh about with John Gruden today on the broadcast is they were talking about Shane Leckler, and then he was talking. They were talking about Sebastian Janikowski. Both guys were drafted by the Raiders in 2000, drafted, you know, which you don't see yeah. a ton these days with kickers. Uh, Janikowski drafted in the first round, Leckler drafted in the fifth round. And if anybody caught what uh, Gruden said, he goes, oh, I wish we had a six-round pick that year because we could have drafted. Oh, yeah, Tom Brady was <laughs> drafted in the sixth round. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, everybody wishes that, right? Yeah, Sebastian, just think about that. Sebastian Janikowski was drafted in the first round over Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady drafted in the in the sixth round. The Raiders drafted two kickers before they draft before Brady was drafted. Yeah, a lot of a lot of teams made the Tom Brady mistake, right? <laughs> but the fact that you took your first round pick on a kicker, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just uh, that that's something I don't think we're gonna ever see again. I mean, the I think the Jags recently picked a kicker in the third round. The the Bucks, I think, recently did, did, was there's. Was there a kicker yeah, I think in the you're right. first, first or second round or something like that? They picked him high. Yeah, yeah, he was, and he struggled to begin with, but then I think he he got it going a little bit. But, uh, you know, back to the Texans, RG, uh, just, you know, if you can get, say you get a Brock Osweiler that does a similar thing, I'm not saying they can win next week, but I think they can be in the game. I mean, one thing that I saw from Brock, think about this. He, he he had a two minute drive at the end of the half. You sometimes you wonder if if the Texans are even going to try on a two minute drive with Brock there because uh, oh he could throw an interception and especially with a thirteen to seven lead. I was wondering, well, the Texans are just going to try to run out the but they they were taking time out. So I thought, okay, it looks like they're going to be aggressive and and that's great. But then all of a sudden they get the ball and they go down the field. He throws that fantastic. We can't mention that play enough because I think that was the play of the game. Oh, the throw that he. To DeAndre. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was oh, it. That was a great throw. I mean, the way that he put it in there, that was finally what you needed over for the receiver for DeAndre to go out and make the catch. But DeAndre also, uh, excellent uh, agility there to come down with the catch, keep his feet in bounds. But, I mean, it was a perfect throw from Brock Osweiler. And I, we've criticized him on his throws so much this season, on his inaccuracy, on just how awful he's been. You have to give it up to him and say, look, Brock, that was an exceptional throw. I mean, I wish he would do that more often I mean he would be a much better quarterback but uh, you have to just commend him for how he played today especially that throw was a capper I mean that's that's highlight reel that's you know the the best we've seen Brock Brock Osweiler this season got to give it up also for just Dwayne Brown just quietly really solid game uh the offensive line there was some guys in and out but they they played pretty well overall I think but Boy, the big thing is Brock playing well, and 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 DeAndre plays what great, and Jadavian Clowney plays great. Whitney Merciless great, and just overall the typical solid effort by the Texans defense. Uh, I, I the thing I I asked Brian, uh, I had our old friend R.G. Brian McDonald early on this week with the Tex with the Locked On Texans, and you know I, I asked him, I said, 
you know, the Texans are just just totally kind of crapped on nationally. They're crapped on locally. Everybody's like, well, they don't know what they're doing or whatever. If the Texans, and this was my point, if the Texans had the number one offense in the NFL, but they had spent, you know, a ton of money, stupid money like they did on Brock Osweiler, a defensive Brock Osweiler, and he wasn't doing it this year, would people feel differently about this team? Would they go, would it just be like, oh, well, you made a mistake and whatever, but still, look, you got a great offense, you know, but nobody says, oh, look, but you got the best defense in the NFL. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, I think people do recognize about the defense they have, with, especially with J.J. Watt going out, going out the Jadavian Clowney and his emergence, and so they have been there. But look, the, the quarterback is the focal point of, the, of any NFL team. It's the glamour position, and the Texans went out this offseason, made the big splash in free agency for the quarterback, Brock Osweiler, who, I mean, we've been down this road many times and discussed it. And so that's always going to be a topic of discussion. I don't care what, I mean, they, they you'll talk about that with any NFL team, whether it's, look, they're talking about, you know, first round pick overall, Jared Goff being picked, I mean, as a draft pick with the Rams or, you know, Carson Wentz, how many times do they go over that? The two guys in the first round and who's a bust or not potentially. And then you look at quarterbacks and other teams who are free agents or signings and, you know, or how Jay Cutler's performed in Chicago. I mean, you know, they'll go over, you know, a million times because it's a quarterback. It's the position in the NFL. It's, it's the glamor spot. So I think, so I think that that factors into it and, and, you know, and, and the other thing too, is I think with the Texans and you're kind of getting on with national perception and how they're crapped upon it's because it's because of the way they played on the road or in the national spotlight games. Look, they had a chance early this season on Thursday night football going up against a third-string quarterback and playing the New England Patriots, and they get shut out, and they look terrible. They have a Monday night game against the Denver Broncos where Brock Osweiler returns. He can be the, uh, the guy going back there, reemerging here, come back home again to, to Denver, my former team, go there, make a mark. Instead, he was embarrassing. It was one of his worst performances of the season. A Texans, again, embarrassed on national TV. So when, when, and then you look back on recent playoff performances. The last time the Texans were in the playoffs, they lost 30 to nothing. And before that, in the playoffs, they lost huge to New England. So it's like a lot of times on, you know, national television, the Texans have been a complete and total embarrassment. So that goes into it. I Look, I don't live in Houston I go back to Houston a lot. I'm from Houston. But, I mean, Los Angeles, where I live, I mean, they don't really, you know, the the Texans aren't even a blip on the radar out here. And if you do mention the Texans, they say Brock Osweiler bust, J.J. Watt, and, you know, oh, isn't that the team that got slaughtered earlier this year on Thursday night football or Monday night football by the Patriots? You know, it's like, you know, that's what they remember. So it's like I think the Texans still have to do – they do have to claw and scratch for respect. And I, if they did have a more explosive offense, that's kind of an interesting question. That could make a difference. But I think the biggest thing here for the Texans, if they want to make a national impression, is that they play the Patriots in a close game. You know, if, if that's their opponent, if they play the Patriots or even if they play the Chiefs, if they can go there next week, fight, you know, Brock Osweiler plays a, a, a good game, you know, above average game. They, they, even if the Texans lose, if they're valiant, if they're in the game for four quarters, that will go a long way towards, you know, gaining respect because if they just go out there and get trounced again where, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, they're facing, you know, like the, the Sarlacc 
pit monster on uh, Tatooine or something like that, if they just get gobbled up instantly and, and, you know, are done, you know, then that's that's not going to be good for the Texans in their image. So I really think it's important for them to go out, put a strong effort. If that's, you know, if you want to change the perception, not only in Houston, because a lot of Houston fans have the same feeling, too. Well, show me how many times have we heard from friends of ours or people that we know. I'm only going to watch when they can actually show me they can actually, you know, do something, not beat a, you know, a third string quarterback on the Raiders, you know, until they can actually beat a good team. Show me, show me that it's, you know, I know Missouri is a show me state, but really Houston's kind of the show me city there. I mean, in order to earn this respect, you know, for your football franchise, you got to go out and have some signature wins. Yeah. If you're starting to drop Star Wars references, might be a good time for us to to wrap it up on the post game show. (laughs) Hey, thanks again for doing this, RG. The, The Texans, hey, they're going on to the next round. You know, who cares how they did it? Hey, let me, let's me let just take you back for a little bit. For, for you people that are too young or you haven't lived in Houston, you don't know the history, you could say, oh, look at who they beat and that this team didn't have this and that. Well, the Houston Oilers, about 38 years ago, without their starting quarterback, without Earl Campbell, who was their offense, who was one of the great players in NFL history, without their starting main wide receiver, went into San Diego, one of the most dangerous offenses in NFL history at the time. You know, they were a high-flying, you know, just incredible offense under Dan Fouts. It was Eric Coriel, was, it was called. And uh, these guys were, were monsters, and the Oilers won the game. So, you know, it's not as simple as, hey, you're, you're playing against a crap team or something like that, and, and you're supposed to win because, hey, if you've lived in Houston, you've seen Frank Reich you know, take, take out the Oilers, you know, the backup QB. And so we've seen this happen before. So the Texans did win before we leave. I want to, you're going to hear a little bit from my, uh, from what I recorded with Brock Osweiler's uh, press conference, but just want to remind you before that, Hey, if you're new to this, it's Texans five days a week. It's all part of the lockdown network, a podcast, a show for every NFL and NBA team. Locked on Rockets with Ben Dubose. Go subscribe to that because the Rockets sure are fun to watch. Uh, we also have a new Locked on NFL draft show with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. You can subscribe to us through iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or our Locked on Texans audio boom website. And if you got something you want me to talk about, just email me at LockedOnTexans at mail.com or just go to Locked on Texans, the Facebook or the Twitter page. Find me on there. Check out our Houston Sports Talk podcast this week. By the way, we're going to have the Chronicles Jake Kaplan with the latest on the Astros and clutch fans, David Wiener with the inside scoop on the Rockets. Hey, thanks for joining us on a happy 27 to 14 wildcard win for the Texans. And here's a little bit more with Brock Osweiler and his press conference. When you uh, signed here in March, obviously, I mean, there were big thoughts and, you know, trying to win playoff games and on and on. It's been an up and down season for you. What, what does it feel like you for you today to be able to get this playoff victory at home after being benched and having to kind of, you know, find your way back to be this team starter. Yeah, it means a lot, but it, it, more importantly, it means a lot to this football team. Um, I think when we all came together in April um, for OTAs, uh, when we all came together again um, in July for training camp, um, th- this is what we all had envisioned. We, we had envisioned a great season. We envisioned a AFC ch- uh, South championship, and uh, we envisioned uh, making some noise in the playoffs. So, um, this is exactly what we expected out of this football team, and, and just to be able to get the job done today means a lot. 
What was your mentality going out there? I mean, you, you've been through these situations before. Broncos were in the playoffs last year, but obviously this was this was something new for you to be a starter in the playoffs in, in a home type of environment. Yeah, you know, my mentality going into, into the game um, was, was, one, have fun. Enjoy the moment. Um, it's hard to get to, uh, you know, to, to play in a playoff game like this, to play in a playoff game at home um, in, in an atmosphere like this. So enjoy the moment and have fun. And then from there... It was just do your job and, 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 and fight every single play um, and, and just uh, try to put your team in a position uh, to be able to win the game in the end and, and ultimately, um, you know, just go out there and rip it. Just rip it and have fun and, and you know, believe in what you see and, and cut the ball loose. You Brock, played the Raiders. How do you account for your improved accuracy? I mean, you, you made some I mean, big-time throws today, and, and, and accuracy has been an issue. This season? Yeah, you know, I think it just goes back to having confidence in uh, my teammates and, and, and what I actually just said as far as, um, you know, believing in what you see and then rip it, cut it loose. Um, don't have any hesitation. Um, I trust that my teammates, the skill guys, um, they're going to be where they're, where they're supposed to be, whether it's man, whether it's zone coverage, um, and they're going to make me look good in the end, and, and that's really what happened today. And, and, Brock, this is the seventh time you played the Raiders, and a few of them were kind of, you know, come in for a couple of plays, but having played them so much, played them earlier this season in Mexico City, were there things you noticed in the, in, the, in the game tape or just knowing their overall system that helped you today? I think we had a good feel as far as personnel and, uh, you know, what they were trying to do scheme-wise. But um, in a playoff game, and any time you see a team two, three times in the regular season, uh, you're going to see unscouted looks. And, and we, we certainly saw that today. It's all about how you uh, react to those. Um, how you um, communicate on the sidelines, make adjustments. Um, but certainly when you know the personnel of a team, um, it, it's usually to your benefit moving forward. Brock, when you started connecting with DeAndre on that one drive, um, just your thoughts on kind of the timing you guys were able to build on that drive alone and some of the throws you were able to make. Yeah, you know, Hop's a tremendous football player, and, and obviously I've known that for a very long time. And, and there's uh, certainly been some ups and downs as far as getting him the football throughout the course of the year. Um, but I think the one thing that, that you really were able to see today is Hop and I were on the same page. And we were on the same page um, because our coaches put together a great game plan. Um, you know, Hop and I were both very comfortable with it. We were both on the same page of, of what he was going to do versus certain coverages. Um, and any time, you know, I can get the ball to Hop, I'm going to do it. And, and so that's, that's really what you saw today. How confident are you feeling now? You're going to the second round of the playoffs. You'll square off with either the Chiefs or the Patriots. How good are you feeling about the kind of football you're playing right now after these two weeks? I'm very confident. Um, I've always been very confident in my abilities um, as a quarterback and, and as a leader of a football team. But um, more importantly, I have confidence in this team. Um, this is a tremendous football team. I think what you saw today out of our defense, you know, shoot, that's second to none. That's, that's a hell of a performance. Our special team stepped up, made big plays all day long, and, and obviously our offense did as well. Um, I thought there was great complimentary football. Um, you saw our offensive line, um, you know, making big holes all day for the backs. They uh, kept me protected um, and allowed the skill guys to go to work. So this was just this was truly an ultimate team victory, and, and I'm very proud of this football team. Brock, uh, execution has obviously been an issue recently offensively. Can you take us through the touchdown to DeAndre? Because that looked pretty simple and a nice play by you guys. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those deals. You know, it was a great call by coach, and there was a couple options within the play. But ultimately, Hop uh, ran, ran the route based upon what he felt like was probably the best leverage from that corner and, uh, you know, really made my job easy. Um, you know, I just had to lead him, and, and he caught the ball, and it was a great play. Brock, a, a few times this season we've seen you tuck the ball, run. You know, you'll get 7, 12 yards. You had a couple 
uh, this game, but you had the, the score running into the end zone. What was that feeling when you crossed into the end zone and, and you had been able to you know, use your legs to run for a touchdown in the playoff game? I'll do whatever it takes to uh, help this football team win games. You know, that's, that's always been my mentality from, from a very young age. You know, I don't mind going out there and getting a little dirty, if you will. And, and on that play, it was just one of those deals. You know, I really wanted to throw the ball to Griff, um, but he did a tremendous job of taking the, the, the last defender with him. And, uh, you know, really I just had to outrun one guy. And it was a great sell by the backs, the offensive line. And like I said, Griff, Griff uh, without him running to the back pylon, you know, I'm probably not getting in the end zone there. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh. 